This week on Myths and Legends, we're back in the journey to the West with the Monkey King. And you'll see that if your pet sheds tiny, angry versions of itself, well, that might be a problem. And that you shouldn't talk to strangers, unless those strangers are suspiciously walking alone up the most dangerous roads possible. The creature this week is a giant monster who just wants to fill your home with his poisonous, stinky fluid. This is Myths and Legends, episode 218, Enter Sandman. This is a podcast where we tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you might think you know, but with surprising origins. And others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. Previously on the podcast, we've tracked the monk, Xuanzang, as he was recruited by heaven to journey to the West to retrieve scriptures from a faraway temple and redeem the world. On that journey, he was joined by Sun Wukong, a flying, shape-shifting, staff-wielding magical monkey king, Pigsy, a super-strong pigman with a rake, and Yulong, a dragon in the shape of their horse. When we last left Xuanzang, he was being carried away by a tiger demon to the lair of a demon king. We'll jump forward a little bit. After Pigsy and the Monkey King killed the Tiger Demon, and now Monkey is fighting and winning against the boss, the Demon of the Yellow Wind Mountain. Monkey leapt high in the air, jamming his hand into his side, tearing out a clump of his own fur and shoving it into his mouth. As he chewed, he narrowed his eyes at the demon king, lumbering from his cave, armored with a sword in hand. They had been battling for two hours, but this was going to end now. Monkey spat the hair into the air, and each one turned into a small monkey king, like one quarter the size of Sun Wukong. Sun Wukong's eyes flashed, and he grinned. All right, monkey babies, let's tear this demon to pieces. The cloud of angry monkey king babies hung suspended in the air and then descended like a storm onto the demon king. The demon king was darkened by the shadow of hundreds of monkeys dropping from the sky onto him when he completely obliterated them all. The demon king and the monkey king had been battling for two hours and Sun Wukong was winning. He was winning so handily that he had decided to do a victory lap and create hundreds of tiny clone monkeys to storm the demon king's fortress and root out every last little demon, like that green army of the dead in Lord of the Rings. Unfortunately, that gave the demon king time to get his last, best weapon ready. He had summoned the yellow wind. Sun Wukong didn't know it, but it had been traveling east for a few minutes by this time, leveling forests, capsizing ships, and tearing houses apart. By the time it found Sun Wukong, staff out, ready to give a fatal blow to the Demon King, it was strong enough to immediately knock the hero unconscious and scatter his monkeys on the wind. Pigsy caught Sun Wukong, threw him on the back of the horse, and took off before the Demon King made it down to them. Sun Wukong awoke with a gasp, 
bumping on the horse as it trotted along. The Monkey King felt his side, expecting a bald spot. Yeah, all your hairs returned and put themselves back in your side. Pretty cool to see, Pigsy said, and then looked at Sun Wukong in the face. Aw, bud, it's okay, it'll be okay, we'll get him back, don't worry about it. Sun Wukong wiped his eyes, what was happening? Oh, those are tears, Pigsy said. You're crying. Monkey shook his head. No, he was just hit in the face so hard that he was sniffling and his eyes wouldn't stop watering. Which is called crying, Pigsy said, and then pointed up ahead. Ah, here they were. When he was securing the horse, when Monkey King went off to fight the Demon King, he had chanced on a peasant family's house up here. He thought they would be staying in the Demon King's lair tonight as victors with a sweet new Demon King rug. <laughs> but the best laid plans of monkeys and pigs, am I right? Monkey shook his head and wiped his eyes. That wasn't the saying. Anyway, when Monkey didn't wake up, he figured things were more dire and that they should find shelter, so here they were. Pigsy pounded on the door, politely demanding that they open up and provide them with hospitality. They were monks in service of the monk in service of the Tang Emperor. An old man hobbled to the door and looked at the pair. He apologized for taking so long to get there. He lived high up in the mountains, and he thought it was bandits or something. He looked at what could best be described as a pig demon, a dragon horse, and a crying monkey. This was... better? Pigsy thanked him, and Monkey asked if there was an eye doctor nearby. He had been hit by this yellow wind, and now his eyes wouldn't stop watering. Oh, that's called crying. You're crying, the old man said to the Monkey King who said no, he had a condition from being hit by the yellow wind. The old man said his condition was not being real with himself. It's okay to cry, but yeah, he had some medicine for the monkey's eye infection? Sure, let's call it that. Come on in. They entered the hut, and the old man hobbled back to another room, where he fetched a vase and pulled out the stopper, using a small jade pin to scoop out some of the ointment that definitely wasn't a placebo. Sun Wukong was in rough shape after what had started out as an easy day of dozens of miles of hiking over mountains. After Monkey's loss, though, he was exhausted, took a bit of food, and fell asleep to the sounds of Pigsy asking for seconds, thirds, fourteenths, and thirty-fifths on dinner. Oh my gosh, Pigsy, Sun Wukong said sitting up in bed, but I'm not just cured, but whatever that old man had must have been super powered. I can see through the walls of the hut and out into the forest. Pigsy sat up and looked around. Oh, that was because they were actually asleep in the forest. The, the hut was gone. Monkey looked around. Oh, it was just normal eye ointment then. It was true. The hut was gone. They both quickly deduced that the old man had been a supernatural helper sent by heaven to aid them in their time of need. I mean, they should have seen through the mysterious old man living by himself on top of a mountain trope, but they had a long day. They were grateful that heaven had stepped in. All right, time to go back. Pigsy stopped Sun Wukong. Look, those were evil demons who ate humans, right? Monkey nodded, yeah. Pigsy asked what the odds were that their master was still alive in there. Ugh, monkey grimaced. Not great. So, if through no fault of our own, he happens to get eaten by a demon, we're off the hook, right? Pigsy asked. 
I mean, redemption arc fulfilled. Monkey said that their one job was defending him and escorting him to the West. So if he was eaten by a demon, it was kind of nothing but their fault. Pigsy shook his head. He's on a dangerous journey through the wilderness. Being eaten by demons is basically natural causes. Monkey rolled his eyes and told Pigsy not to worry. He wasn't going to try to attack the demon king head on again. He didn't know what else that guy had up his sleeve. He was going to go do some recon first. In a flash, Monkey was no longer a monkey, but a mosquito. He buzzed that he would be right back. A message that Pigsy neither heard nor understood and made his way off to the demon king's lair. My one weakness? The demon king asked in reply to one of his impish demon servants. The one thing that can stand against my epic wind power? Glad you asked. Since it's just us in here and no divine warriors conveniently perched on the rafters, I can lay it out for you guys. Nothing. No one can stand against my wind power. Pretty sweet, huh? Well, the Bodhisattva Ling Ji is the only one who's supposed to be keeping an eye on me, making sure I don't get into too much trouble, but you know when a kid checks to see if their parent is looking before doing something that they know they shouldn't? And they just kind of get away with it? It's like that, but with, like, cannibalism. He's the parent on his phone at the playground, and I'm eating the other children, so no worries about the Monkey King, friends. If he comes back today, he's dead. The little demons looked to each other and nodded. Huh, that chunky bit of exposition really put them at ease. Thanks. The Monkey King widened his little compound mosquito eyes. Wow, first he finds Xuanzang alive, tied up to a pole in the back, and now this? Nice. He slipped back out of the compound and found Pigsy and the horse on the road. Monkey snapped back to his original form and explained everything about the Bodhisattva Lingji. They knew all of this, but they didn't know how to find him. That was when they heard a cane clicking up the road behind them. The pair turned and saw an old man with flowing hair and a beard just walking up the mountain road by himself. No packs, no towns or settlements or huts anywhere nearby, just going in the direction of a dangerous demon king and passing by our protagonists in their time of need. Monkey looked at Pigsy. Hmm. The old man nodded a hello as he passed, and Monkey and Pigsy bowed. The old man passed and then paused, turning around so... Where were they from? What were they doing so far out in the wilderness? Did they, they want to ask him anything, or? Monkey shook his head. No, he was good. Ah, just kidding. Monkey was sure that the old man wandering the wilderness, with an impeccably combed and conditioned beard? Wow, smelled great. Monkey was sure that this old man had no idea, but their master had been kidnapped, and they needed the help of Bodhisattva Lingji. The old man chuckled. Wow, what a coincidence. But, as the old proverb says, if you want to know the way, hear what the tourists say. Monkey scratched his head, oh, and removed a few lice. Delicious. That was a proverb that was actually in Journey to the West? Maybe it was the translation, because that seemed counterintuitive to any experience anyone has had with or being a tourist. But, whatever. Did the old man happen to have the information they needed at the exact moment they needed it? The old man smiled and nodded. He did. 
Lingji was currently lecturing on the sutras on the little Sumeru mountain, 3,000 miles to the south. The old man pointed to the sky. Just about in that direction, if someone, I don't know, someone was going to ride there on a cloud immediately. But then he tried to play it off, you know, just like a guess or something. Both Pigsy and Sun Wukong looked in the direction that the old man pointed. And when they looked back, he was gone, replaced by a slip of paper. Pigsy snatched up the piece of paper and turned. Older brother, that guy? He was from the heavens the whole time. Pigsy put his hoof to his head and tried to do the little mind-blown thing, but he has hooves, so he just touched his head. Monkey King's eyes wide and what? No way. That definitely wasn't what he had been thinking this whole time. Wow, all right. Well, 3,000 miles? He'll be back in like, I don't know, 10 minutes. Maybe 15. Sun Wukong nodded to Pigsy, summoned a cloud, and leapt into the air. Boom, superhero landing. Monkey King said a few minutes later, when he finished traveling almost a tenth of the circumference of the earth and crashed down in the middle of a lecture, a few monks rushed to him, asking him what the meaning of this was. And Monkey said that he was the pilgrim Sun Wukong, guardian of the Tang monk, who had been tasked with retrieving the scriptures from the Thunderclap Temple in the West. It was like the main plotline right now for everyone in the world. The monks gasped and rushed to get their master. Ling Ji ended his lecture early and... Amidst the softly blowing spring winds on the mountain peak, he greeted Sun Wukong as the Monkey King bowed. The Monkey King asked the Bodhisattva if the being knew anything about the Demon King of the Yellow Wind. The Bodhisattva smiled. Ah, yeah, the Demon King. Good kid. It had been what? Ooh, a few hundred years since he had stopped by? The Monkey King nodded. Cool, cool. How did the Bodhisattva leave things? The bean thought back. Oh, yeah, he had left the demon king so that he could do his lectures because the demon king promised not to be evil and eat people and all that stuff. The monkey king then asked if the bodhisattva might be able to guess why the monkey king was there. The bodhisattva bit his lip. It had been a while. Let me let him guess. The demon king was being evil and eating people and all that stuff. The monkey king nodded. Yep. You know what it could have been? The Bodhisattva said. Demons can't be trusted. To honor their word, or at all, the Monkey King interrupted. Glad we all learned something today. Should we leave now? Like, right now? The Bodhisattva snapped a finger, and a monk appeared. The Demon King was powerful, and yes, his responsibility. But with the power of the yellow wind, he couldn't simply be stopped. Not unless you have a wind-stopping pearl, the Bodhisattva said, pulling out what the book calls a wind-stopping pearl. Seems like this was created just for this purpose, the Monkey King said, and summoned a cloud. Meet you at the Yellow Wind Mountain? Mm-hmm. Oh, and one more thing, the Bodhisattva said. When we get there, I'm going to need you to draw him out of the cave so I can subdue him. The Monkey said that that would be challenging. The last time the Yellow Wind hit him... Uh, Gave him an eye infection. So it made you cry? The Bodhisattva asked. (sighs) Yeah, let's go, the Monkey King replied. And they were off.
What did you do to my door? The Demon King shrieked at Sun Wukong. The Monkey King looked at the door he had just shattered to gravel. Through the debris the Demon King had just walked, I mean, did he need to spell it out? The Demon King said that the Monkey King was so dead. He waved his hands, and somewhere far off, the wind picked up. Monkey looked at the Demon King and started to run, but the Demon shook his head. Oh no, the Monkey didn't. He started this. He was going to stick around to be killed by some wind. He took off after the monkey, and in under a minute, he found himself looking up at the Bodhisattva, floating in the sky. Hi. So the thing is, the Demon King started, but the Bodhisattva wasn't playing. The bean tossed his staff down, and it turned into a golden dragon, palmed the Dragon King's head, as the story says, and whipped him around like a ragdoll, like Hulk whipping Loki around in the Avengers. When the dragon was finished, it tossed the demon king to the ground. Monkey and Pigsy looked to see not the massive demon foe that they had fought, but a yellow mink. Yep, he was a yellow mink the whole time, a normal animal that gained a level of self-awareness and sentient thought to be able to understand the way. He originally wasn't bad, just hanging out in heaven, but he stole some oil sometimes, so he was banished here, to Earth. I was supposed to keep an eye on him, but, you know, stuff came up. Anyway, now that he has spent a few hundred years doing way worse stuff, I should take him back to the Buddha for another judgment. He nodded at the Monkey King, thanking Sun Wukong for the heads up, and shot off to the west. Inside the lair, Pigsy and Sun Wukong found that the little impish demon hordes the Monkey King had commanded were nothing more than deer, foxes, hares, and other forest creatures that he had recruited and transformed to do his evil bidding, like some sort of cosmic Dr. Robotnik. Monkey and Pixie weren't as understanding as Sonic, and just killed all the animals with their rake and their rod. Had to be sure, I guess. They found their master tied to a pole in the back of the hideout. They cut him loose, and at last, they could be on their way again. We'll see the Monkey King add yet another member to his party, but that will be right after this. The trio and their incognito dragon horse had a rare summer without incident, which was a nice change of pace after the constant incidents since Sanzong left the Tang Emperor. Now, they stood at a roadblock on their journey to the west. In that the road was no more, they walked up to a churning, violent river. It's 800 miles wide, Sun Wukong said, after a tasteful superhero landing. He had just flown up and used his divine eyes, which could discern good or evil at a thousand miles. He spotted a ferret who was committing tax fraud on the other side, so, yep, 800 miles. 800 miles wide, Pigsy asked. Were they, were they sure this was a river and not a moderately large sea? That's like half of the Mediterranean, almost twice as wide as the Black Sea. And since when do ferrets pay taxes? I thought they were exempt. Okay, the ferret thing was an addition, but the 800 mile wide river is legit and in the text, and let's not think about it too much, Sun Wukong replied. Our problem is not the existence of this impossibly wide river. It's getting across this impossibly wide river. Why can't you just, like, take him into your arms and jump with him? Pigsy asked. 
Then his tiny pig eyes widened. Whoa, wait. Why didn't Monkey just jump all the way to the Thunderclap Temple in the West? Why didn't the eagles just drop the ring into Mount Doom? Monkey asked. Because it wasn't their job, and also they couldn't physically do it. Also, it doesn't make for a great story. Same reasons why I can't jump him to the West. It's not my job to carry him, but to escort him. It's about the journey, the trials and the sacrifice, as much as the destination. And like the eagles couldn't carry the ring to the exact spot it was forged, I physically can't carry Master to the West. I alter my weight so I'm like a cloud. I can't carry him, he'd be too heavy. And lastly, the story would just be pretty boring. It wouldn't be Journey to the West. It would be Super Monkey Jump to the West. It'd be like three sentences long. Now, back to the problem at hand. Pigsy, this is you, bud. Pigsy's ears flopped as he cocked his head. Why is that? It was a river. They all had to cross it. Together. Monkey said that one, he wasn't a fan of water. Also, he pointed out to the river. A whirlpool formed. And from its center, something rose. A hulking, massive lump of sand. Wearing a necklace of skulls. Soon, it grew to the size that it blocked out the sun. And when it opened them, its red eyes focused in on the pilgrims and tooth-studded maw opened. And you're up, Pigsy, Sun Wukong said with a nod, before grabbing their master and sprinting for some high ground. Pigsy swallowed hard, gripped his rake, and leapt for the river monster. The Monkey King, aroused a fury by Pigsy battling the sand ogre, and frustrated that he hadn't had a chance to play with his staff over the past few months, whipped it out, as the story says, and it grew in his hands. Xuanzang was... uneasy. All that exact phrasing was in the journey to the West? Yikes. Sun Wukong announced that he was joining the battle, and leapt from the mountain. With one look at the Monkey King, the river monster that Pigsy had been battling for hours panicked, and dove back into the water. Monkey's staff shrunk. Ah, bummer. But then Pigsy had an idea. The monster had been here for how long? Years? Forever? It would know the safe spots to cross the river, the shallow places. They just had to capture it. Pigsy had a plan. He knew he couldn't capture it all by himself. But if he was able to lure it out of the water, then Sun Wukong and Pigsy, combined, with the monster no longer having the home court advantage of being underwater, they might stand a chance of capturing him. Monkey agreed to it because it wouldn't, quote, cramp his style by getting his fur wet or force him to transform into a water creature. Yeah, it's not that he couldn't or that he would be less powerful, he just didn't want to. And as someone who kind of hates swimming, I get that. He watched Pigsy peel off his blue silk tunic and kick off his shoes before diving in, rake first. While Monkey got in position, Pigsy descended on the sandy bottom of the river, He didn't see the river ogre. Then, the eyes on the bottom of the river opened. The monster didn't live on the bottom of the 800-mile-wide river. The monster was the bottom of the river. Pigsy narrowed his eyes and held his rake out. Time to go Zen Garden on the sand demon. Demon? Whoa, bud, come on, the monster said, halting his rise from the bottom of the river. He told Pigsy that he wasn't some demon. He had been a big deal once. In heaven, he dropped a glass of jade. 
the emperor wasn't too happy about it, so he was stripped of his hat, armor, and rank. His cheek stuck to the executioner's block as he awaited his fate. Only one immortal stepped forward to pardon him, and as his punishment, he was cast down to the shores of the Flowing Sands River. This river, to await... Oh, I'm sorry, am I boring you? Pigsy looked up from his phone. Hmm? Oh, no, 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 I, I caught the gist of it. We're good. You're a river demon who wants to eat us. The river sand monster groaned and continued his rise. Oh no, I'm so defeated. I'm running away. Pigsy yelled at the bank of the river. In an instant, Monkey was flying through the air, staff out. The sand monster took yet another look at Sun Wukong and ducked back underneath the water. Seriously, you couldn't wait 30 more seconds for me to draw him out so we could trap him? Pigsy shouted. Then, with a head shake, he said he'd try again. Just another two-hour-long fight, no big deal or anything. Under the water, Pigsy pointed his rake and oinked out a challenge for the river monster, who just sat there as eyes on the bottom of the river, looking up at Pigsy. Oh, no, no thanks. Pigsy didn't understand. He was a river demon. Didn't he want to, like, attack travelers and eat them? Oh, what if Pigsy attacked him first? The sand laughed. If Pigsy could find him, it was an 800-mile-wide river. He was probably all right. Also, he heard the pig yelling at the monkey about drawing him out, so no, leave him alone. Well, what if we just cross the river and be on our way, huh? What then? Huh? Pigsy sneered. The sand exhaled. Look, cross the river, don't cross the river. The monster didn't care. Pigsy attacked him. Besides, if they could cross the raging river, they would have done it by now. Now, if Pigsy would excuse him, he was going to take a nap. He's napping, Pigsy told Sun Wukong, who told the pig to get back down there and fight him. Pigsy yelled back that he had just spent the past hour raking the bottom of the river, and while it was surprisingly calming and meditative, there was tens of thousands of square miles of river, and the monster was sand. He could be anywhere. They needed a new plan. They both looked at each other, looked to the sky, to the river, back to each other. Well, they molded over for 40 seconds. Can't say they didn't try. Guanyin? Guanyin. Like me, when I bump into any challenge in a video game because I'm in my 30s and who has the time to figure stuff out, they did the equivalent of me pulling out my phone and looking up a walkthrough. The Bodhisattva Guanyin was the one who started them on this journey, inspiring Xuanzang and recruiting Sun Wukong, Pigsy, and their dragon horse who never gets any lines. Sun Wukong somersaulted to heaven and, in an instant, he was in Guang Yan's waiting room. He checked in, and before he was through the first article in an anachronistic magazine, he was informed that she would see him now. Nice to see you, Sun Wukong, she said. But I do have to ask, why are you here and not doing the thing I recruited you to do? You literally have one job. Why are you not there? Guang Yan asked. Monkey told her to relax. The monk was relaxing on a riverbank, not being held captive by a mink demon. That was last some something that never happened. But they had come to an 800-mile-wide river and needed some help getting across it. Also, there was a sand monster that was being really mean. Sand monster, the bodhisattva replied. And 
when you confronted this guy, you mentioned that you were escorting the scripture pilgrim to the Thunderclap Temple in the West. Monkey said that he didn't do it, but he was almost certain that Pigsy would have. I mean, that was a key piece of information. He was like 99% sure it came up. Uh, Let's say 70%. He looked to the ground. He should go. Guanyin nodded and Monkey left. You jerk, Pigsy yelled, throwing down his rake as the sand monster stepped from the river, the sand falling like rain, until he was the form of a human man, the grains of sand smoothing out in his skin and robes like a second-tier Spider-Man villain. Why did you fight me? You could have just said you were waiting for the scripture pilgrim to join him on his quest. The sand monster, Sha Wu Jing, who will go by the nickname Sandy on this podcast and in some tellings of the story, said that none of this was his fault. They attacked him and then followed him home and kept attacking him. And they're the good guys? Sun Wukong stepped forward. It was an honest mistake that they've made with literally everyone so far to join their party. The dragon horse, Pigsy, now Sandy. They wouldn't make that mistake again. Of course, this was the last supernatural hero to join their party, but they didn't know that. Sandy straightened his yellow silk shirt and bowed low before Xuanzang, the scripture pilgrim, saying that he was ready to embrace his new faith and start his own journey to redemption. Xuanzang took the razor and shaved his hair off, though since it was made of sand, it could probably just regrow instantly into whatever style he wanted to, but it was mostly about the symbolism anyway. Sandy rose, and Sun Wukong pointed to the skulls of his recent kills that he wore around his neck. The... That didn't quite go with the new look, and the Bodhisattva had said that that could be used to make a boat, buoyed up by Sandy, so that they could all cross the 800-mile-wide river. With three of them in the boat, that was actually Sandy, carrying them along, and Monkey riding on a cloud behind them, they shot across the river, like an arrow, which, an arrow flying about 225 feet per second, the 800-mile trip only took them about five hours. The Sandy boat landed on the opposite shore and Xuanzang stepped off, followed by Yulong and Pigsy. Monkey stepped down from his cloud, and, with a wind from heaven, the skulls on the boat turned black and blew away like dust. From the water, Sha Wuzing, Sandy, formed, and the five heroes, their party now complete, continued together on their journey to the west. up on this episodic quest, but that'll be later. Next week, we'll actually be telling the fairy tales I meant to tell this week. I found a better version of one of the stories I had ready, so I switched these episodes to give the other one more time. If you'd like to support the show, there's a membership thing on the site. For less than the price of a frog-shaped soap named Steven, you can get extra episodes and add free versions of the show that are not a frog-shaped soap named Steven. Check out support mythpodcast.com for more on the membership and not a frog-shaped soap named Stephen.
The creature this week is the Aniwai from the Ojibwe people in the United States. The Aniwai is ostensibly a giant skunk, but it isn't monster skunk who was farting everyone to death, as told in episode 58. It's one of my favorite stories we've told on this podcast, and I linked it in the show notes. The monster skunk who farted everyone to death, that being the name of the story, was a mindless beast who blew through towns, like literally blew through towns and blew them apart with his farts. The Aniwi, however, was the first skunk ever to exist. I've always thought that most animals would be terrifying if like I was shrunk down or if they were enlarged. And the Aniwi basically confirms that suspicion because while a normal sized skunk is a pest and might get aggressive when cornered, a massive skunk is just a jerk. The skunk, while being a scavenger, is also an omnivore. And the only reason it limits its prey to things smaller than it is because that's the smart thing to do. When everything, however, is smaller than the skunk, well, then you have a problem. When people are the size of mice to the Aniwi, it doesn't have a problem walking around, listening at some caves. And if it hears voices inside, turning around and spraying. I don't know if it's the vapors or the actual fluid that kills the people in the cave, but it's definitely one of those two things. I don't really need to know the answer. And it kind of doesn't make being blown to bits by an explosive skunk fart sound too bad. This giant skunk enters the caves and snacks on the humans to its leisure. Like monster skunk who farted everyone to death, gonna see how many times I can say that in this segment, its success emboldened it to the point where it was attacking villages. You can get enough warning if a giant skunk is coming to evacuate, so that's what the people of one village did. And when the giant skunk arrived, it found only one infirm older woman sitting in a hut. He tore the roof off and looked with pity on the old woman, demanding to know where the people who abandoned her had gone. She refused to speak, so the giant skunk nodded. Wow, brave. For this act of solidarity, you know what? He would do the right thing. He would cure her of her infirmities for good. And he did just that, by spraying her to death. I can't find out how, but the giant skunk was defeated by the cultural hero, the great fisher, who was either a person or a ferret, who would possibly go on to become the Big Dipper constellation. He stopped the giant skunk, but instead of killing it, he shrunk it, limiting its danger to small rodents and black cats, who had the misfortune to get a white stripe accidentally painted down their back. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by the band Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more music in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.